0: Terms and
1: conditions apply. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam. Farber.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. It is a game day edition, and for the first time in five years, the postseason has arrived for Buzz City basketball. The Hornets taking on the Indiana Pacers today in the 9-10 game of the State Farm Play-In Tournament. We're going to break this game down in every which way, and also have a special conversation with our Yellow Ribbon honoree for this month in partnership with Bank of America, the Hornets honoring military veterans for their unwavering service to our country and their impact in the community through the Yellow Ribbon program. This month's honoree is Eddie Suriel, retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant. So we'll have that interview with you shortly. Right now, though, we want to welcome our pregame host as well as post game host on our flagship station sports radio FNZ for the Hornets pre- and post-game shows, Kyle Bailey, to this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Kyle, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. It's always an honor, buddy. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. The postseason has arrived. Like like everything else this year, I've been programmed, I guess, to think that games in front of empty arenas are normal and that the Hornets going to the postseason every year is normal. So we'll, we'll uh, erase the former soon enough, and the latter hopefully stays forever.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, this one of the cool uh, storylines of the season. One that has been frustrating at times. But how are you feeling about that? By the way, where are you on that? I'm sure you're feeling a whole lot better on the postseason. Well, yeah, well, sure. I mean, it's been. I was going to say the Kia NBA rookie ladder is what stood out to me. I mean, obviously, you and I have had a whole lot of fun back and forth on that this year. But uh, the the postseason, yeah, of course, that's obviously the biggest deal. But I'm always curious to know how you're feeling about the ladder. Do do you think that LaMelo has this locked up? Do you think it's a done deal? I don't think it is going to be
0: unanimous, but I think he's going to win it. I certainly think that he should. Unfortunately, the postseason performances are not going to play into it. You know, it's one of the general storylines of the year. I think, you know, when we look back... years from now, it's unlikely this is going to be known as the year the Hornets broke through for the postseason. It's probably going to be defined as the Rookie of the Year or the close call or should have been Rookie of the Year campaign of LaMelo Ball.
1: Yes. I, you know, and I only I bring that up because I, I do think it is a big piece of what will have happened this year. So the, the game against Indiana, notwithstanding, however far they make it. I mean, this will be, if, if there is success in the Hornets' future, and it sure seems like there is, I do think LaMelo Ball winning that award is a great way to commemorate it, you know, but also the kind of a, a marker of a milestone of where this all might have begun or began. And I'm just excited. I mean, you, you know in I know you haven't been here all that long yet. You did a tremendous job, by the way, this season, but this has been something that has, you know, frustrated this fan base for a long time. And, you know, no matter how many postseason games they play, if in, you know, this year you can say, Hey, we made the postseason and, you know, the future cornerstone of our organization was also recognized as a rookie of the year. I, I think that's such a big deal. And, you know, we can discount or dismiss individual awards mattering and, you know, pointing out that it's a team game and that the goal is to win championships. But I continue to believe that that will mean a lot to this city and this fan base.
0: I think it certainly would, and it's well-deserved by LaMelo. He's really put the bar very high, and I think also an an additional part of it is the Hornets are being rewarded for doing things the right way. There's a lot of organizations out there that have, and not just in basketball, across all sports, at least all American sports, that that choose to tank, choose to try and game the system so that they can have— the first pick or whatever it is and the hornets they don't tear things all the way down they say all right this is our new reality it's time to start building again and they immediately start doing it and you look at the foundational pieces of this franchise pj washington late lottery pick miles bridges late lottery pick lamello ball won the lottery, otherwise you would have had a late lottery pick. So, you know, I think the Hornets are being rewarded for doing things the right way. I think their fan base is being rewarded with a franchise that is always trying to do its best, never trying to do its worst to try and accelerate getting, you know, some number one allotment of ping-pong balls. The franchise is really being rewarded, and in the here and now they get rewarded with postseason basketball.
1: I couldn't agree more, and this that's... (laughs) There are probably some people who listen to our station, uh, Sports Radio FNZ, and listen to my show. If you've made it this many years of my show. You, you might agree with me, or you can at least understand where I'm coming from. But there are some people over the years who I, I think have really just, I, I don't know, not seen eye to eye with me on that. But I agree with everything you just said about tanking. I, I think it's a scourge on American sports. I, I think it just became this, this idea, this notion. that's how you become good and competitive again in professional sports and i just don't think at all that that's true and here we are two years removed from uh, the arguably greatest player in franchise history leaving in free agency although technically a sign and trade and they had no discernible direction or plans it seemed at the time and here we are two years later postseason basketball and it looks like things are moving in the right direction and it just goes to show you that it's so much more important to coach and scout and develop and evaluate and GM. Well, that's truly what good organizations, winning organizations are about. And, you know you can tank as much as you want to until the cows come home but it doesn't get you anywhere if you don't have people in charge that know what they're doing I mean no disrespect to the Orlando Magic but how many it seems like the Orlando Magic have been rebuilding since Dwight Howard left if you are tanking as a means to be competitive in the NBA if that's your only plan well I'd say it's not going to work out in your favor so I love what Mitch Kupchak and, and James Borrego and Michael Jordan have done you know in this chapter of Hornets basketball and I, I think they're writing a, a pretty memorable chapter here uh, early on
0: the early paragraphs of it, too. I, I would say on on Orlando, I feel like they're a little bit a victim of circumstances. You know, yeah. it had Markel Fultz not torn his ACL, had they not had Isaacs, their their young prospect, also be out for the season, maybe the year goes different. Maybe Vucevic and Fournier and Gordon are still in Magic uniforms, and maybe they're still playing right now, but the injuries piled up and they, they made a, a decision. I think, you know, there's a difference between starting a year off saying, well, we're five games in and it's over now so here here comes tanking and it's clearly that this is not going to work let's make sure that we you know don't mess up what should rightfully be ours which is you know a very high draft there are some subtle differences but i think overall the hornets have approached things the right way and i also would say this i think if you're an owner and the perspective GM comes to you and says, I think we should make sure we get the number one pick. I think that's a sign you don't have a very confident GM. If you're on the playground and you need to pick first to win the pickup basketball game, chances are you're not very good at picking or playing or both. So, you know, I think, You know, a person like Mitch Kupchak, who's been at this for years, who has found incredible talent anywhere he's been in the draft, picking first, second, third, or not picking till the second round, he always finds players. That's the kind of person you want picking because they're going to get it right wherever they land.
1: Oh, 100%. And, and it's music to my ears to hear you say that. And you make a fair point about Orlando. And I I tried to stay away from Philly as the example because that's the example that everyone goes to, but I'll go right back to it. You know, I hear Philly fans as a result of them, some Philly fans, you know, saying, hey, number one overall seed, I think we can say the process works. Well, I, I don't. And I don't think that it, if it takes eight years and during that eight years of the process where you, you change GMs, you change head coaches, multiple whiffs on first round picks, um, any process that takes that long isn't a process that I want my team to employ, period, and and I think again to your point, Mitch Kupchak, we can look around the league, uh, not even guys with the Hornets, and see players that he found, drafted, scouted that weren't top five picks. I mean, just recently on Saturday, we we saw a guy who has elevated his game and his status in the NBA to something that I don't think many people thought that he could do, and that's Julius Randle with the New York Knicks. And of course, you know who, who was the guy that drafted Julius Randle? Thought he could be that kind of piece. Of course, that was Mitch Kupchak. So again, you need competent ownership, you need competent front office work, you need competent coaching. You need a building full of guys who know what they're doing, and whether you're picking 1st or 12th, you should be able to have success in this league if you have those things.
0: Well, the Hornets have had that success. The other foundational piece you need is experience, and that's what the Hornets are bound to get tonight as they take on the Indiana Pacers. We will preview tonight's game in just a moment, but coming up next, in partnership with Bank of America, the Hornets are honoring military veterans for their unwavering service to our country and their impact in the community through our Yellow Ribbon program. This month's honoree, is Eddie Suriel, retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant, and we're going to talk to him next right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, don't miss out on your chance to be a part of Hornets history. Tickets are on sale now for any potential first-round 2021 NBA playoff games that could be at the Hive. Spectrum Center will increase capacity limits to 12,000 Hornets fans with mask requirements still in place. You can get your tickets right now. Go online to Hornets.com, get your hands on your Hornets app, or dial in to one 800 4 T-I-X today. Time now for a Yellow Ribbon honoree here on the Hornets Hivecast. We're so delighted to have retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant Eddie Suriel here with us on the Hornets Hivecast. Eddie, congratulations on being a recipient, and welcome to the HHC.
2: Sam, thank you for having me on the Hornets podcast. Honored to be selected.
0: We are thrilled to have you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What led to your decision uh, to join the military in the first place?
2: So it's a funny story, uh, Sam. So what led me to decide to join the military? Being from a, a Latin family, born in Dominican Republic, I got to New York when I was two years old, got married kind of early stage, had a son. I was uh, found myself working in a factory, taking two trains, one bus, and walking five blocks. A coworker told me, hey, I got a, a number to a recruiter. I said, can you give it to me? He gave me the, the number to the recruiter, found out there was a U.S. Army recruiter didn't know anything about the military, but I made that appointment. Next thing, I was taken to ASVAB, led me to the MEP station, and uh, never looked back. And now, done 20 years as a retired Master Sergeant in the United States Army. You know, with three different MOSs, military occupation, as a cannon crew member, air traffic controller, psychological operations specialist, where I did 13 years in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That's where I deployed to Afghanistan twice, to Iraq once and three times to land in South America. That gave me the opportunity to work with the finest soldier that made a difference in the world, everywhere we went, for the good of the nation, sir.
0: Just incredible, an incredible journey, and and wow, what, what a difference one call can make in your life, right, that, that recruiter call that you uh, intercepted, I guess, that led you on your journey. Throughout all of your 20-plus years in the military, tell me, what's one valuable lesson that you would have only learned through your experience in uniform that you would not have been able to learn any other way?
2: So the valuable lesson that I take away from the 20-year-plus in the military, sir, was time spent with your family that is taken for granted. Because of the, all the deployments and the training and the courses that I have done, I miss birthdays, holidays, special events, in my kids' lives, in my wife's life, in my family life that it was taken away from me. And I think time is valuable. Time, quality time with your family means a lot. You cannot take that for granted. So that was a, a valuable lesson from the the time that was spent away. And also working with a military team, it brings the cohesion around the world because now you have different ethnicity, different background, different colors. Coming into one organization, making a team to be a special team, to go out do defend the United States Army, defend the United States to care for a battle buddy and defend the United States. So I think that those valuable lessons of teamwork and time is so critical. We take granted in our lives, and I think we should cherish that when we have the time to spend with our family, sir.
0: Extremely important lessons, and that one about family, I mean, it's so important and something that we really should not ever take for granted. And when we tell a, a military member we appreciate your sacrifice, I mean, that that to me is what comes closest to heart and, and first to mind because it, it really is, it's a sacrifice. As you mentioned, you're giving up time with family, birthdays and anniversaries and events, occasions that you don't get back. But we so very much appreciate your sacrifice. Since you've retired in 2016, I'm sure making the most of all of those opportunities to make memories has been first and foremost but tell me about what you've been up to since retiring from the military in 2016.
2: So Sam after my retirement I just took three months off to relax spend more time with the family but I went back to work went back to my old AIDS psychological operation group in a different capacity now as a contractor supporting assisting in the group and in the soldiers as a training resource manager developing and managing units, resources, and the training budgets. But at the same time, I was part of a, a church in Fayetteville, serving the community to give back. In the meantime, I had the opportunity to be able to help and support my son's vision to be an entrepreneur, to create his own business, his clothing line that is in the fifth year of the Splashy the Wave. That is a great feeling as a father to help my son to achieve his goals and his vision. Because especially when I was not there, now I could support them. In 2018, I relocated to Tampa, Florida, where I continued to be a contractor, supporting the soldiers deployed around the world. Now in Tampa, I'm part of another church, serving the local Orlando community. Me and my wife drive 90 plus miles to serve, to be part of that community. During the pandemic of COVID 19, we distribute over. 100 boxes, called in Spanish, Cajita de Amor. What that means? Boxes of love. What an impactful event that was. So many tears, so many smiles to make a difference on individuals and family. And I'm still here, taking along supporting the community, and I'm grateful that I'm in a a platform that I can assist and give back to the community, sir.
0: It's just incredible. I mean, you have done so much for all of us, and... Uh, basically have served your entire adult life and you continue to do so you know that lesson of service is not something needed to be taught to you but it's something that I'm sure you can pass along to everyone else around you why is it important what would you say to someone considering serving their community their country serving in any way possible why is it so important to you to give back to the community
2: Sam I think it's very important to everybody to give back to the community but to me especially is four things. Purpose, because it makes sense of life, of why we are here on earth. Purpose, it gives you purpose. Unity, to bring the community together. To be that lending hand, that shoulder, to whoever needs to make a difference. Growth, to make the community better. And last but not least, care. I do it with heart because I love serving other people in need. To give back, back in North Carolina, I was part of a youth city outreach in Fairville where we attended sports events, hockey events, runs, color runs, attending in the sports event, giving out cards, no string attached. That means give back to the community with nothing back, with no expectation. You pay for a meal for someone, and that became a trend in Fairville to pay a meal for someone and not expect nothing back. Also, helping The community to clean out the debris in houses during Thanksgiving, passing out turkeys and meals to those in need. The end result to make a difference is to see someone smile in their need. That is the most important thing. You can't change the world, but if you can make someone smile with one action and one word, you are a winner to me.
0: Eddie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Before we let you go, any parting words you'd like to give us?
2: Yes, Sam. I just want to say thank you to all my family, especially to my wife, Wendy, for being the backbone of my family while I was away in those deployments. To my three boys, Joel, Eddie Jr., and Derek. Eddie's wife, Solia and my two beautiful granddaughters. Soriana and Penelope, thank you all for your support. I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you all. I love you.
0: Beautiful, beautiful words. Eddie Suriel, our Yellow Ribbon recipient, thank you again for joining
1: us here on the Hornets Hivecast.
2: Thank you, Sam.
1: Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Our thanks again to Eddie Suriel,
0: retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant, for all of his work in the community and his service and sacrifice to and for our country. We appreciate him and are proud to, in partnership with Bank of America, honor him as our Yellow Ribbon Program recipient of the month. Back with us now, Kyle Bailey. You can hear him pre-game and post-game for tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers, as well as middays every weekday on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ. And Kyle, I know you'll be doing a full in-depth preview starting at 5.30 today, but for those tuned in here on the podcast, let's look at this one. I think there's a lot of people who have tunnel vision on just what's gone on with the Hornets the last two weeks, the five straight losses, the inability, let's say, to secure the eight seed and falling back to the and feel like there's somewhat of a tailspin going on here i look at it differently i think that outside of the L.A. Lakers in the Western Conference and maybe the Golden State Warriors as well, there's not really a flawless team in the play-in. Everyone's got their warts, their issues that they're trying to overcome, and the Hornets have theirs. You know, they're, they're trying to find a way to win without Gordon Hayward consistently. That's been difficult to do. But the Pacers also have issues. They have to play without Miles Turner. They've got other injury questions on their roster, and they've been terrible this year at home. So I think there's every reason for the Hornets to have confidence tonight and moving forward to try and make it in as the 8th seed for the NBA playoffs.
1: Yeah, look, there's a lot of reason to be happy and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the future. Now, you know, Sam, you know, in in my business specifically in Sports Talk Radio, we we have great listeners and I think Sports Talk Radio listeners are smarter, more savvy than they've ever been. But the truth is, uh, much like everything else in life, it seems, and especially in our politics, we're very polarized. So if you dare to defend the Hornets in this situation, you're a homer. If you go the opposite direction, you're you're a hater. There's not much in the middle. There's not much nuance or at least not as much as there should be. But I still choose to very optimistic about this team what they've done this year and what I think that they'll do moving forward and the truth is over the past couple of weeks they have had some frustrating losses I felt like the New Orleans loss was very disappointing the closest thing to a bad loss you and I agreed that we've seen you know since things really started to come apart at the seams of an injury situation and then you know, the, the game against Washington yes you had an 11 point lead going into the fourth and given the way that the Hornets were a Healthy as we'd seen them in quite some time, even without Gordon Hayward and B, you know, shooting well in the first half and looked like they had more than enough to beat that Wizards team. It is, it's a sting. It's disappointing to not pull out that win. However, I do think that it needs to be, people need to be reminded sometimes how much of a game of, you know, continuity and consistency and chemistry this game of basketball still truly is. And, you know, when you are going week to week as the Hornets did for a period of about six weeks. Not knowing who's going to be available in the starting lineup in the rotation, it is difficult to create continuity, to create consistency, and you know to play the way that they did midway through the season when they were still fully healthy. And so that's not excuse making; it's just pointing out the obvious. James Borrego doesn't need me to make excuses for him, nor does he need you to do it. He expects them to go compete and to win games. But you know they're not finished building this roster yet. They did deal with injuries and they did run up against some very good teams, in particular from the Western Conference. And while this team lost five straight games to finish the season. They also had a handful of winning streaks this year and beat some playoff-bound teams. And I look back to last year before the season shut down, and in the final two weeks, they were beating Miami. They were beating James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Uh, they, they were playing the Bucks really, really tough, beating good teams. But just a week or two prior to them doing that, they had gone on a terrible slump, you know, and figured it out with Devontae, Terry, PJ, and Miles. So, you know, what might we be saying about this team if instead of a 72-game season, it was an 82-game season, and they still had 10 games left to go and a chance to get back into a rhythm. So, you know, this is sometimes too much nuance for the crowd that just wants to be negative and and criticize all the time. But if you want to take a step back and and choose to take a 30,000-foot view of this organization, what you'll find is that big aircraft carry has been turned around and it's pointed in the right direction and it's moving where it needs to go. It just doesn't happen overnight.
0: I think fans will feel a lot stronger about the right direction if the Hornets end the season in the NBA playoffs or even end up making it to the next game. Winning one here would do a lot for the experience of this young roster and just the sentiments at the end of the season. The Pacers trying to to look at a key here. Your attention obviously always goes to DeMontis bonus and just like the hornets it feels right now a lot of fans think and maybe rightfully so that this team has to shoot you know the lights out make 23s in a game to have a chance to win do some herculean task i think pacers fans probably feel similarly they probably feel like demonas Sabonis has to go for 20 10 and 10 or this isn't going to happen because that's basically what's had to happen for them to get wins as of late. You look at this team, and and yes, they're big. Yes, they're very dominant in the paint, or they can be, but they're also a bit confusing. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA, which I would not have thought prior to doing the research for this contest. If there's one stat that you will key in on on this one outside of, you know, one of the more obvious ones for the Hornets sharing the basketball assists have to be high three point shooting. They've got to shoot it pretty well to have a chance. But what's one thing that's maybe not per normal for the Hornets on a game to game basis that you'll key in on tonight?
1: Well, I don't know that it's not normal, but I think you know that even though this team has improved from the free-throw line and they've gone through stretches where we have seen that improvement, they will also have nights where, I mean, it's just a dastardly number from the charity stripe. And this game is going to be close. That free-throw line is going to matter, and it's going to matter a lot. Cody Zeller stepped up to the free-throw line on on Sunday, Saturday as well, I think, and and hit some late ones. And though I was holding my breath there, Terry Rozier has been great from the line, though there have been a few misses here and there. That's a, a stat that I'm watching for, I think, in a big way because, you know, again, this team just doesn't have that much margin for error. And so unless they're having a a disastrous day from the three-point line or obviously horrible from the field, shooting 35% or something along those lines, I'm looking to see, A, are they getting to the free-throw line? And B, when they get there, are they taking care of business? Because that's an area where this team has improved but can also cost itself in crunch time situations. So that's, I think, the number that I'm looking for. What what do you have in mind? I'm curious about that.
0: I think my key for this one, is the center position for the Hornets. I think Miles Turner being out is a huge development for this game. He's been out for a while for the Pacers, so it's not as if they haven't had time to figure out how to play without him. But the Hornets' biggest issue, I think, all season long has been dealing with really skilled big men, really talented, high-scoring big men. It's just been a serious issue. Not having Miles Turner out there does make the Pacers' roster from a size standpoint at least a little bit closer to what the Hornets put forth. So whether it's Cody Zeller out there or P.J. Washington, Demonis Sabonis is not a good matchup for any team in the NBA. That's why he's an all-star. That's why he's so good. But I think if Washington and Zeller can, at least in the plus-minus category, equal Sabonis... I think that opens up a lot of possibilities here for Charlotte, because I do think the guards for the Hornets are the superior players. Even with all the talent that's on that other side, I just feel like the Hornets should have an edge there. Miles Bridges, his ability to to have that constant, consistent energy and jump out of the building at any moment, I think he's going to have some advantages. It's can- P.J. Washington and Cody Zeller equal the production of a DeMondis Sabonis. I think that will go a long way to determining this outcome.
1: I do, too. And it's you know worth pointing out, too, the Hornets were 15-21 on the road this season and have lost six of their last seven outside of Charlotte. The only win, I think, on the road was Detroit. But interestingly, Indiana, and you may know this already, had a 31-year streak with a winning home record, and that ended this year. So they have not been great at home, and they've struggled in particular in the fourth quarter, an area where Charlotte had been thriving uh, you know, up until recently where we saw them post a couple of games failing to, to reach the 15-point mark in the fourth quarter, obviously only scoring 20 against the, the Wizards on Sunday. And so you know, it's not as if they're going into I – mean, Bankers Life Fieldhouse can be hostile. It can be loud and a tough place to play, but there's nothing especially daunting or hostile about where they're going tonight. And so I think that, again, we've seen some resiliency from them throughout the season on the road and i think they're not going to be at all you know affected by being on the road against indiana so i i'm really curious to see what kind of start they get off to and then, you know, I'm looking at, I thought this Indiana team was a lock for a playoff series when the season began. Now, injuries have really hurt this team, and Miles Turner's obviously been out since the middle of last month, but, you know, no T.J. Warren tonight, Malcolm Brogdon, I don't know if we know at this point what, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is one of my favorite young players in the NBA, and and he may not be able to go, and so this Pacers team is not at all what we thought they'd look like coming into the season. Fortunately, I mean, Karis Levert probably going to be able to go, but there's nothing for Particularly daunting or intimidating about this team, and I, I think the Hornets stand as good a chance as any to, to grab a win.
0: And like I said earlier, just as uh, it seems at times like the Hornets have to make twenty threes in the game, I think the Pacers feel like they have to get a huge triple double out of Sabonis. Both these teams are—they're—they're they're not perfect teams right now. I feel like Charlotte with. Gordon Hayward, they weren't a perfect team either, but they were definitely a playoff team. They can still become one or at least get one step closer to it with a win here tonight. You can hear Kyle Bailey and Travis T-Bone Hancock today at 5.30 p.m. on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ, breaking this one down. And, of course, tune in to Kyle postgame as well. And fingers crossed, Kyle, you'll have a few more pregame and postgame shows to handle as well.
1: I would love that. Nothing would would make me happier than to see this team continue to win and extend the season because there was so much excitement and so much fun being had before the the injury started to pile up. And I just feel like there have been some people out there who allowed the last couple of weeks to to really change their opinion of this team and this organization. And I, I don't believe it should be that way. So I would love for this team to pick up another win or two and remind people just how much fun this year was and how much fun next year and the next few years of Hornets basketball could be.
0: Future is now for the moment, but the future is very bright as well. Again, tune in to Kyle Bailey, pre- and post-game show tonight and all throughout the week middays on Sports Radio FNZ. Thanks to Kyle for joining us. Thanks to all of you for tuning in, and thanks again to Eddie Suriel for all his service, and congratulations to him for being our Yellow Ribbon honoree. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us today on the Hornets Hivecast. Tune in tomorrow. We will have our breakdown podcast, and we'll let you know what direction we're headed next. Hopefully it's on to either Washington or Boston for this young Hornets squad. Till next time, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber, and in the words of LaMelo Ball.
2: Thank y'all. Have a good day.
1: Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.